Would you welcome the beautiful Natalie Wood? In November 1981, the life of a true Hollywood icon came to a tragic end during a booze-filled weekend aboard her family yacht. The other players involved were her TV star husband, an A-list actor friend, and the boat's captain. Over the course of 40 years, the true story of what went on during that fateful voyage has never been revealed. Until now. That's today on Death in Entertainment. Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that has stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. Ah! What do you call this thing, anyway? Death in entertainment. Welcome, everybody. Hey, What's up? <laughs> Hmm. Are you feeling okay there, Mark? I don't know. I'm just coughing up a little bit here. This <laughs> air in Hollywood has been terrible lately. All right, yeah. Cover your mouth, please. <laughs> I'm just coughing directly into the microphone. Cough okay? directly into his mouth. Into the mouth. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm coming over there, Alejandro. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> so this is November 29th, 40 years. To the day. To the day. To the minute. Of our subject's demise. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that incredible? We didn't even plan it that way. No. I just happened to notice that Monday, November 29th, 2021, it's 40 years. We're not doing some long con here. We set up a (laughs) podcast with 13 before and then... To hit the Natalie Wood one right right on the head. Right on the head. To the second. Which is what happened to her, it sounds like. Well, I don't know what happened to her. We don't know. We'll find Perhaps. out. Perhaps. <laughs> what if we just opened up the podcast, said what happened to her, and just logged off? <laughs> Good night. Good night, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. <laughs> so we're here another week. My name is Kyle Plouffe. My name is Mark Volkerin. And I'm Alejandro Dowling. And this episode is taking us all the way back to November 29th, 1981. Ooh. And here we are with this week's Pop Culture Flash, November 1981. Uh, Movies. Number three, Arthur. The original Arthur. The original starred Dudley Dudley Moore, Moore, who became an unlikely box office superstar. In the 80s, yeah. Well, with this movie. This movie. Well, yeah. He had done a movie called Ten. The one with the Tommy Bo Boy Derek. parodies with Bo Derek coming out of the water in the swimsuit. Ow. Do you know that joke that I never got until I realized she was in that movie in which uh, <laughs> Chris Farley, when she gets out of the pool, he goes, Dad, she's like a 10. Yeah. Because uh, of the movie 10. I yeah. didn't get that till you just explained it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She had the corn rolls in that movie, too. Yeah. yeah. That may not be so yeah, accepted little today. Cultural appropriation. We go, we'll talk more about that later, by the way. So that made a ton of money, and Arthur made a ton of money, even more than 10. Like a yeah. good like 80s mid movie, a lot of money? Or are we talking like. No, we're talking. It was like Jurassic Park money. Adjusted for inflation, we're talking pretty close to Jurassic Park money. Get yeah, because this here. is playing Thanksgiving <laughs> oh. week of 1981. It came out in July, so it's been playing for months. I okay. kid you not. It was one of the top box office earners of 1981. Wow. I, I didn't know Dudley Moore had that much uh, dough. Yeah. Wow. 
Number two is very familiar to us all, Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is another one that was released in the summer and was still playing. Really? Yeah, so these ones are just crushing. The yeah. other huge hit of 1981. <laughs> Number one, Time Bandits. Oh, Terry Gilliam. Gilliam. Yeah. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Uh, okay. You didn't say pinch poke. I'll give you an eight ball of coke. Hey. Oh well, it's the eighties. It's the eighties. Everyone's doing coke. Everyone's getting fucking lit up. Woo! Who the coffee? Who's coffee? Ooh, time bandits <laughs> stealing that time. I'm doing Farsworth Bentley as Pacino <laughs> now. I don't even know how to do Al Pacino anymore. <laughs> Ooh, I said, I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's more uh, Foghorn Leghorn. Yes, I was. Looking what did for I that say? Name. Farnsworth Bentley. Yeah, that oh, Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, I mean, Farnsworth Bentley. Say is not a Who real character. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of Richard Farnsworth from the Straight Story, or maybe I'm not. I'm, I'm guys. I'm coming off a bad sickness, so I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get my head right still. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's get this back on track. Uh, music. Uh, number three, Waiting for a Girl Like You by Foreigner. I've been waiting. Oh, yeah. That's it? You were supposed to sing the rest. I don't know if I know it. Did you guys have an established duo you were going to do This is here? an Olympus song. if you will. You, okay, I said I've been waiting, and the song is called Waiting for a Girl Like You. What do you think the next line is, Kyle? But how do I sing it? For a girl like you. Oh, I never knew that's what they said. What'd you so think I do know they that said? Song. I've been waiting. Oh, you didn't even do it like that. Now I get it. I'm a little like a gun shy. Um, we got number two, Private Eyes by Hall & Oates. It sounds like the same song Private that you were just Eyes. singing. Every, every song this year is in the same cadence. I'm watching yeah. you. Number one doesn't really sound the same as these. Olivia Newton-John's Physical. Olivia. What did I say? Olivia. No, I think he said. I Olivia. think I said you Olivia. Said Olivia. We're gonna you, check the you tape on that. You are digging for these mispronunciations. <laughs> you had a couple hot ones, and now you're just kind of like reaching for them. Olivia Newton-John's "Physical." I think that was the biggest song of that year. It was one number of the biggest one songs of the decade. Yeah, it was number one forever. Let's I remember her and a leotard singing "Physical." This. I wanna get physical, yeah. and it goes like that for three minutes. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot to it. Not a lot loop. of not a lot of meat in that song. No. Um, top book. <laughs> was that some kind of innuendo? No, no, no innuendo at all. I'm just saying it wasn't a lot of meat, not a lot of poultry going mm, on. Yeah, a lot of meat. The so, poultry is so lean. Why couldn't it be in that song? There's no uh, pork chop in there, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, I'm really <laughs> lost as to what Mark is talking about. Mark is high off the Robitussin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Believe me, audience, I don't get it either. So <laughs> please do not change the channel. <laughs> Uh, top book at the time, The Cinderella Complex, Women's Hidden Fear of Independence by Colette Dowling. Uh, I just want to point out. Alejandro's mom. <laughs> yeah, that's my mommy. <laughs> no, actually, Colette Dowling, no relation. Okay. I don't oh. think. Maybe she disowned me. Yeah. <laughs> my great aunt. Yeah, she sold you, maybe. Yeah. And this book, The Cinderella Complex, it's very much of the 80s of its time. Mm. It's this theory that women were often forced into the role of Cinderella, where they can't really do anything without their handsome prince yeah. to help them uh, out. They're just in the kitchen. That's all they yeah. can do. They cook, they clean. Yeah. And this book is 
pretty relevant to today's subject. Mm. Oh, okay. Might yes. I tease? <laughs> <laughs> tease the war. really delved into this one. Yeah. <laughs> Digging in deep. Let's go. Okay, here we go. Let's uh, let's get down to the nitty grit right here, guys. Let's do uh, it. Nitty grit, not gritty. Nitty grit. The nitty grit. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah okay. I'm not. Uh, keep going. Just let, let it slide. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the nitty grit. So, Miss L- Natalie Wood, not born Miss Natalie Wood. Ooh. Surprisingly, really? yeah. Her real name was actually Natasha Zasharenko. Wow. I wonder why she changed that one. That's a shut the right Yeah. <laughs> Russian. Yeah. yeah, I can picture people in like Kansas saying, hey, we're going to go see that new Natasha Nasharenko <laughs> in 1955 or anything. Yeah, if she's not putting on figure skates, they're not going. Yeah. It sounds like a Bond villain. Yeah, yeah. it does kind of. Born in 1938 in San Francisco, United States, California. Okay, great. She was born to Russian immigrant parents. Yeah. Uh, I guess... Uh, Her dad was like a normal, kind of pretty chill, quiet guy who just went to his job and had a nice life and didn't really get involved in drama. The mom was a basket case. (laughs) The dad was an alcoholic, though. Oh, okay. So he just kind of checked out, maybe smartly in this scenario, Yes, and just got hammered and kind of let the rest of the family do whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. And her mom is Maria Gerdan? Yeah, I think it was Maria. I think you're correct. Yeah, it is. So she's... Very much a Svengali-like figure for Natalie. Yeah. She put a lot of stuff in her daughter's brain, let's say that. Yes. Um, the superstitious stuff. Like, she, I remember in the documentary, it said, don't walk on the bright side of the sidewalk because you'll get run over and killed or something. Oh, yeah. A lot of weird superstitious stuff. You yeah. Know, like, you know. Absolutely. And Maria was told by a fortune teller that Natalie was going to die in dark water. Yes, and yes, this I that. was the seed in Natalie's head that made her deftly afraid of water her entire life. Yeah, dark water specifically. So let me see. Um, she had one sister named Lana, who later on went by the name Wood, but I guess her real name would have been Zasharenko. Yeah. So Lana, uh, I assume that's actually her real first name. She went by Wood also. And the mom gave them the surname Wood to use? Well, what happened was, I guess, when uh, Natalie or Natasha started acting, the RKO studio, uh, the executives there said, okay, yeah, we're, you know, we'll work with her. We'll give her a deal as a child actor when she was like four or five years old. Mm-hmm. But one of the linchpins is we're going to rename her Natalie Wood. Oh, so it was their idea. It was their yeah. idea. Yeah. Wood was taken from an actor at the time, though. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Her first name was based on her childhood nickname, Natalia, and her last name was in reference to director Sam Wood, big director at the time. So what happened, as the story goes, they moved from San Francisco to a town called Santa Rosa, right outside of San Francisco. Yes. Okay. As the story goes, as legend says, a movie was shooting in that hometown there, and all of a sudden, this director named Irvin Pinchel came on set. They were looking for like a little kid to film like one specific small role. That was in the documentary. Yes. She dropped an ice cream That's cone right. Yeah. At the end of it. Um, the documentary made by Made her by daughter. her daughter, actually, named Natasha Gregson. Um, what's, what's her? Gregson, Gregson Wagner. 
Yeah. There's a new pronunciation of the last name, though. I don't know if anyone caught that. Wagner? Natasha. Let me let me see. Wagner. No. Natasha Gregson Wagnerova. Oh, I oh, saw that. I, I did w- see that. I didn't understand Google. what that was. I and thought it was a prank. No, it was. I th- believe it might have been even in the documentary. I don't know what the fuck. Let's that just even go means. with Wagner. Okay, we'll stick with Wagner for now. Anyway, so she made a documentary called Natalie Wood: What Remains Behind. Yeah, about her mom. And just to give some background, this is the actress, the daughter of Natalie Wood, who is the actress who was in High Fidelity, uh, Lost Highway, Two Girls and a Guy, Two Girls and a Guy with Robert Downey Jr. and Urban Legend. Yeah. Starring Rebecca Gayhart, a future yeah. subject. Future uh, vehicular murderer <laughs> that we'll talk about <laughs> later on in the series. All right, continue. So in this movie, I guess the movie was called Happy Land that was directing in Santa Rosa. So Natasha, as she was going by, uh, she got this small role with Irvin Pitchell, who worked for, I believe it was RKO Studios. So he goes back to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. This guy seems like a creep to me, to be honest. Pitchell? Yeah, yeah. Pitchell. Okay. He writes the parents that he wants her to move down, I think by herself, the four-year-old. <laughs> that checks out. Natalie. Yeah. What happens is Pitchell wants him to go down there to do the screen test and um, kind of he's like, I'll help you out becoming a child star and stuff when she's like four or five years old. The dad is like, no way. Like, I want to stick with my job up here. I want to stay in Santa Rosa. It's a nice, like small American town. Mm-hmm. He's like, I kind of like the quietness of this. The mom, however, is like. We're leaving tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) The mom is like, I got a fire in my belly for my daughter to become a star and me to be the lunatic mom. Yeah. That kind of. She very much pushed her into acting. Pushed her big time. Yeah. Well, she pushed her even to bother that guy, Irvin Pitchell. Oh, that's right. They were just downtown and the mom's like, go do some songs for this man. Yeah. So she was able to win this guy over, but. It was clearly the mom that's, you know, the the crazy Hollywood mom that's pushing her behind the scenes. Kind of like Sharon Murphy. Uh, yes. The, I, you know what? I saw the parallels, actually, from the Brittany Murphy story. Mm-hmm. The only difference is I think Natalie kind of got what she wanted, what Brittany was going for, which is a family, yeah. normal-ish husband. Um, Both and- toxic, too. Both toxic, yeah. Just wound up with shitty guys that may have led to their downfall. Yeah. Um, so once they got to Hollywood, Natalie started working and getting roles like right away. Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, and she got a role opposite Orson Welles in a movie called Tomorrow is Forever. Um, the I, holiday season is sort of upon us and you just gloss over, gloss over Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. Never realized that was her. She pulls in the, the beard yeah. in it. Yeah. She does. That classic moment. She's yep. great in that. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, so after she does all this kind of like kid movie stuff, she graduates and her she transitions successfully her career into doing more adult roles like uh, Rebel Without a Cause. Teenage um, roles. Yeah, teenage, but more uh, more serious. Yes. And not just kind of fluffy kid stuff. Right. She became like part of the bigger like studio system. She was in a movie called West Side Story. She played actually a Puerto Rican woman mm-hmm. in that, which is kind of racy these days, but I guess it was kind of normal back then. Maria. For, yeah. Yeah, no, that wouldn't happen today. Do we have that clip from her in Rebel Without a Cause? Yes, we do. Okay. He looks at me like I was the ugliest thing in the world. He doesn't like my friends. He doesn't like one thing about me. He called me. He called me a dirty tramp. 
My own father. Do you think your father really means that? Yes. No. I don't know. I mean, maybe he doesn't mean it, but he acts like he does. God. Boom. Well, some would say that she, is... she's channeling her true real-life experiences, yeah. which maybe her dad or mom are calling her a tramp. I read that she didn't do method acting, but she was very much involved in Freudian analysis through yeah. her life. Yeah. And then she used these demons as an acting tool. Oh, boy. Well, anyway, uh, it's a classic movie. It's not my favorite movie by any means, but James <laughs> Dean exploded as a cultural icon. Yeah, literally. This. <laughs> yeah, and then exploded <laughs> in a car wreck. <laughs> and Which then killed a bunch of other people, the parts of the car. I don't know if that's an urban legend or not. That's an urban legend. Oh. Well, so parts of the car went to other people. Other, par- other cars, and it just kept happening over Oh, over. the okay. It's like a Frankenstein monster <laughs> yeah. that just went to other things that just spread out. This tire we're putting on this car. <laughs> yeah. It was like Christine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And while we're on Rebel Without a Cause, the director was a guy named Nicholas Ray, who was in his 40s at the time. Oh, yeah. I saw this. And he had a sexual relationship with Natalie Wood, who was only 16. Yeah. <sighs> Did that happen before or after the movie? Or during? During. During. Okay. Yeah. So, like, did he proposition her in any way? Like, that's what, in the documentary, you might see that there is a interview in which uh, Natalie Wood is pressed, like, have you ever done anything uh, to get any roles, basically, that you kind of regret or, you know, you should have been asked to do? And she thought about it for a moment. She goes, no. Uh, do you know what, did you remember that part? Yeah. When I was 15 years old and doing Rebel Without a Cause, at that time, the director and the studios and so forth said I was too young. Even though I was exactly the right age, they were sort of testing older girls. And they also saw me in pigtails with a pinafore because those were the kind of parts that I was associated with. So I tested for it a number of times, as a matter of fact. Well, it's all right now. You're our baby now. I think I also got into a car accident. And instead of telling them to call my parents, I told them to call the director because one of the policemen called me a juvenile delinquent. I said, oh, well, then that must mean that I have the part. (laughs) Call Nick Ray. (laughs) At no time did any of the gentlemen who were considered your bosses, did they ever ask you to do something that might be considered immoral? No. So, yeah, she got married to Robert Wagner when she was 19 in Scottsdale, Arizona. Apparently, as the story goes, when she was five at Warner Brothers casting session, she pointed to Robert and said to her mom that she was going to marry him someday. Uh, He was 18 at the time. Oh, wow. And he pointed back to this five-year-old and said, okay. (laughs) No, no, that part is not true. So they had this fairy tale wedding, apparently, um, but they divorced five years later in 1962. And I have some insight into their divorce. She made this movie called Splendor in the Grass, Elia Kazan, beautiful movie. This was Warren Beatty's first film. Ah, yes. I mean, you know Warren Beatty. He was... I don't know if womanizer is the right term. Oh, okay. He, He's he, a fuckhound. Yes, there you go. A legendary <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. And he pretty much slept with every willing actress in Hollywood. Oh, really? And so there were rumors swirling in Hollywood about them, mainly by the 
studios and market tabloids. Yeah. That sort of thing. They get thing. a talking like uh, the Danny DeVito from LA Confidential guy, the hush hush. Yeah. And so Robert Wagner went to the set and he was furious. And this is the spark that led to their divorce. Well, I saw in the documentary, he's like, I want to make it clear it wasn't because she was doing a lot better than me <laughs> uh, in her in her career, and I was doing horribly. Yeah. It made it seem like he's a perfect guy that didn't really have any issues, and they just got divorced because yeah. she was cheating on him. And that, I think, I can clear up. What I read by the biographer Suzanne Finstead. Finstead. She wrote Natalie Wood, The Complete Biography, released in 2001 and then updated last year. According to her, they didn't have an affair and that Natalie took the blame for their marriage crumbling in the press. She didn't correct any of the tabloids. Yeah. So they get divorced. Apparently, Robert Wagner, when he was not with Natalie Wood, he got engaged to Tina Sinatra. And, mm-hmm. Na- and Natalie Wood was also dating Frank Sinatra. Wow. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. I Although that I also read that Natalie Wood was basically pimped out to Frank Sinatra when she was 15. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. You seeing a pattern here? Yeah. A little bit. Well, the first time after the divorce between Natalie and Daddy Wagner, as I call him, he got remarried to a woman named Marion Marshall, uh, who he had a daughter with. He divorced Marion in 1970. Natalie eventually got remarried herself to British producer Richard Gregson, and they had a daughter the following year in 1970, Natasha, who, in my opinion, is a basket case, (laughs) and created this (laughs) HBO documentary. They divorced a year later. I get, it seemed like under severe pressure, he admitted to banging Natalie's assistant. Um, I just want to add that Robert Wagner, you mentioned he was married to Marion Marshall. Yeah. Uh, her full name is Marion Marshall Donnan, and she's the former wife of director Stanley Donnan, who did Singing oh. in the Rain. Her kids from a, that marriage became very close with the Wagner family, and they're in the documentary, too. Oh, okay. The Don and stepsons. Yeah. They were there for all the holidays. and This like the Carradine family. There's like so many people, kind of new family members, old family members. Yeah. So in that period of time between the divorce of Natalie Wood and him being married to this Marion, he had one other kid named Katie. Katie. Yeah. And then Gregson, as you mentioned, she has Natasha Gregson Wagner. Yeah. Or Wagner, whatever she's Wagner called Rova. her, whatever she's called herself. The, but she, that's a whole other fucking craziness. She adopts Daddy Wagner as her daddy too. Yeah, and she also calls her real dad Daddy Gregson. Yeah, apparently Natalie started that. Yeah, I'd like to point out that friends and acquaintances of Robert Wagner called him RJ. Yeah, yeah. And then his family called him Daddy. Yeah, he's got a smorgasbord of names. Yeah, Daddy Daddy Wagner, RJ. Daddy Wagnerova. Yeah. Um, It actually came out later, somewhat even recently, I think, that Natalie may have been the victim of a rape when she was a teenager at the Chateau Marmont in 1955 by a famous actor. Kirk Douglas. Oh. This was actually released recently, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was 
in the biography by Suzanne Finstead, the event is mentioned, yeah, but the actor is not named. And then her younger sister, Lana, she's written a couple of books, but she has a new book out now called Little Sister, and she brings up that allegation and names his name in it. Oh, she does. That's yes. how it came out. Okay. Yes. So it actually got more traction recently when uh, Kirk Douglas died, and he was recognized in the uh, Golden Globes in memoriam. So some people were thinking, you know, maybe he shouldn't be recognized like that. Yeah. It's a tough one because his image had always been clean cut and that he was this nice Hollywood icon. He died at like 103. Yeah. 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 And so one thing that's interesting is the Douglas family has stayed pretty silent about commenting on it. Yeah. They don't have any fighting response to it. Well, Michael's too busy getting, you know... uh, you know, throat, throat cancer, cancer from, from going down on girls. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do you fit it in? <laughs> yeah. Good point. He's got his hands full. The He's only... got his mouth full. You know? yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the only <laughs> word from the Douglas family is from Michael's publicist who said, quote, may they both rest in peace about Natalie and Kirk. Oh, really? Well, at least you said something. Looks like a talk about it, but my mouth full. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting. I'm going down on uh, what's her name, Catherine Zeta. <laughs> he forgets her name as he's going down on her. What's my wife's name? <laughs> what's her name? Hey, uh, I don't want to get up and uh, to, to ask. But what's her name? I haven't seen her face in ten years. <laughs> I've just seen her. You know what? <laughs> I guess we're done with the no, Chateau I, Marmont. Yeah, yeah. Event. we've moved on. But um, so anyway later career. So in the 1960s, her career peaks. She does movies called Gypsy, Love with the Proper Stranger, Sex with a Single Girl, and The Great Race with Jack Lemmon. And she did this movie called Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Yes, I forgot to mention that. The Elliot Gould movie. Yes, and Paul Mazursky directed. Yeah. And that became... Part of the zeitgeist at the time. Yeah. One of those late 60s, early 70s classic movies. Prime Natalie Wood right here. In her prime. You're playing games with me. I'm not. Yeah, you are. Playing games. Playing an emancipated woman, a hip chick that doesn't care what her husband does. I care very much what you do. You don't care what I do. That's perfectly obvious. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting there on top of a volcano that wants to spew out of you and you won't let it do it. Do you know what you're doing? You are trying to make me react again. You feel guilty and you're trying to make me punish you. I did a terrible thing. I cheated. Here's a toast to Bob and Carol and Ted. That's a good, I'll drink us. Hats and horns. I'm the grooviest people I've ever known. (laughs) So, yeah, at this time, she was getting top billing under the studio system in which she was under contract. Yeah. Um, She decided at that point she wanted more freedom. She wanted to have a family. She wanted to do whatever the fuck she wanted. Yeah. So she bought out her own Warner Brothers contract for 130K. Damn. So I guess you could just do that. Um. Anyway, I have one more fact here. Go ahead. Uh, in between all of this, while they were uh, divorced and before she got back with Daddy Wagner, apparently Natalie had a steamy on-again, off-again relationship with um, Jerry Brown, the governor of California, who was our last governor of California ah. before our current one. Um, so yeah, in 1972, Natalie and Daddy Wagner are back, and they had one more daughter named Courtney. And we have a clip of her from 1980 talking on the Tom Snyder show about remarrying Robert Wagner. Okay. 
Okay. You know, I've always wanted to ask you this. I was going to save it, but I'm going to. How come you got married to Bob Wagner again? Again? Daddy I mean, Wagner. and how does it feel when Why you marry your husband? Why would you do something stupid like that? What's Daddy Wagner got? That I don't want to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it feels terrific. I don't mind talking about. Okay. it. I was just fortunate, you know. Timing uh, was uh, was on our side. We happened to meet at a Rolling time stops. we were both free. The fact that we both had feelings toward the other one. We didn't keep to ourselves. I mean, we managed yeah, to convey they had feelings, that because right. I really had no idea that that uh, R.J. felt something still toward me, even though I knew that I did, and he felt the same way and didn't know if I did. But luckily, Jeez. we um, we uh, didn't keep that to ourselves, and so you know, like that, a lot of uh, life is chance. That's true. Ain't that the truth? So she had a bit of a resurgence uh, after her kids are born, and she kind of feels more happy in her life, and she's you know going back to work a little bit. She got a movie called Brainstorm with Christopher Walken, actually, um, and then she had a bunch of TV lined up, but then something happened. Oh, are we there already? We're there already. Pum, pum, pum. A couple of things I want to add. Okay. We talked about the alleged affair between Warren Beatty and Natalie Wood. Yeah. Another thing that happened around this time, according to the Finstead biography, she spoke with three close friends Mm -hmm. of Natalie's and Natalie's mom's best friend and Lana, her sister. And they all say Natalie came home one day in the 50s and found Robert in flagrante with another man. Wait, what does in flagrante mean? They were doing it. <laughs> Why did you say in flagrante? That's, I've never heard in flagrante in my life. That's the quote from the book. In flagrante delicto. Kyle, Can tell I get us. the in flagrante on the side, actually? <laughs> in flagrante delicto sometimes means uh, it's a legal term used to indicate a criminal has been caught. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that kind of makes sense. They were caught in the act. <laughs> so... That's at their Beverly Hills mansion, and it led to a hysterical episode that ended with Natalie overdosing on sleeping pills. Wait, Sounds so hilarious. She, she caught Daddy Wagner fucking some guy. Yes. In flagrante. Do we know who the guy is? We don't. Ooh. He could have been just, uh, you know. Kirk Douglas. <laughs> yeah, he, he Getting came Getting revenge. Yeah. So, you know, that might have contributed to the dissolution of the first marriage as well. Yeah. But how do you go back after that? Yeah. That to me is crazy. You can't put the inflogrante back in the tube. You cannot. After it's out. You yeah. Know? Famously. Well, <laughs> she may have kept it in her back pocket for a rainy day. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's right, too. For a rainy weekend, I should say. Oh. Is that inflogrante in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> you also mentioned that Robert made a point to say in the documentary that none of their troubles stemmed from competing careers. Allegedly. The truth is, though, in the 1950s and 60s, she was a big upcoming actress working with the best directors. Yeah. And he was doing crappy movies. Yeah, he was like a nobody. Nobody. Yeah. And then he got some roles later on that established yeah. him. And then he later went to TV big time. Yeah. And so then in the 70s, when she was coming down, that's when he was coming up in TV. Yeah. Notably on a show called Heart to Heart. He looked like just like a suit and a haircut. Like he didn't look like he had a lot of talent or brains going on behind there. (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. 
He was great in Austin Powers. That was like my favorite role of his. That's what most people would know him from, I believe. So Heart to Heart was an American mystery TV series that premiered in 1979 and ran for five seasons. You're making some premium money then. If you're on a major network at this time, you're making fucking bank. You're like the primary star. Another thing that made Robert Wagner insanely rich was that he had a production company and he made a deal with Aaron Spelling. Oh, boy. And got half of all the profits of Charlie's Angels. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was a big one. So he's about it. very famous, very rich from this. And yeah. she's assuming the more stay at home mom role, which also made her happy. Yeah. But she was missing the acting. And so that's, as you mentioned, was why she started trickling back into the movies. Yeah. And TV. And TV. Yeah. So this is where Natalie Wood is at this time. Kind of hanging back, but she's getting back into it. And we were talking about her fear of water, but yet she went by the water so many times in her life. When they got married again in the early 70s. They got married on the boat. They got married on the boat. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And so you got this family that's fascinated with the water. And you have a lot of money. Yeah. And so in 1975, they bought this yacht that was called the Challenger. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Oh, well, yeah. that hasn't happened yet. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's about five years away. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently it's bad luck to rename boats, but they didn't care. And they renamed it Splendor after a Wordsworth poem that was featured in the movie's Splendor in the Grass. Okay. Uh, so... On this yacht, which is now named Splendor, it is large. It has four staterooms, a full deck, and then handrails all around. So it very much felt like a cruise ship. Mm. He paid 125 k for it. That's like nothing to that. Yeah, that yeah. seems Even very with low. inflation. Yeah. yeah. It was a bit underpowered, but nobody cared because you could just float at 10 miles an hour and everyone was happy. Yeah. yeah. Because they just like to be out there on the water. Well, they were just going at the most to Catalina and stuff, right? They weren't going to... Yeah, exactly. Australia in the boat, you know. Catalina, that's an island near Los Angeles, off the coast, in the Pacific Ocean. I've been there. It's nice. And so when they got this boat, they hired the man who had brought it to them from Florida to serve as the captain. Captain, my captain. His name is Dennis DeVerne. And... Dennis, the captain, recalled being impressed that they had outings with the kids every other weekend. They want to get every penny out of this. Yeah, boat. we're putting this guy to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if we're gonna buy this captain. <laughs> he's like a babysitter. He's a captain. You know, you know, you cleaning up doing the balloons. place. He's cooking. <laughs> yeah, doing balloons. <laughs> and according to Captain Dennis, captain they Dennis. all partied on the yacht. And these parties involved quaaludes, Valium, and oh. booze. Ooh, this sounds the like whiteies. fun. Yeah. The whiteies are back. <laughs> they had their fun. Yes. And that brings us to 1981. We're all caught up. We're caught up. Are you all ready to dive into this story? Let's get inflagrante are with you, it. Are you really ready to die into this story? Hello! Whoa! Oh my God. (laughs) Did you take any quaaludes before this, Mark? (laughs) I had to get through this. (laughs) So among the many sources that I turn to are the following books. Natalie Wood, The Complete Biography, and then Natalie Wood, A Life by Gavin Lambert, 
And Dennis DeVern has one called Goodbye Natalie, Goodbye Splendor in 2014. Uh. And Lana Wood, her sister, two memoirs, one in 1984 and then one in this year, Lo- 2021, called Lo- Little Sister. Looney Lana. And then other books, Robert Wagner wrote several books, including one. Does, does he implicate himself? If I did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I did it, here's how I would have pushed her. Yeah. And I'd have my daughter do a documentary yeah. in 2021. One where he tells his side of the story about that night called Heart to Heart, but not spelled like the show. The show was H A R T, because that's the character so name. He's and off this the one was Heart popularity E A R T. Oh, God. To Heart. Jesus Christ. And then there's a book by Natasha Gregson Wagner, who was involved in the HBO doc. And this book coincided with the doc called More Than Love, an intimate portrait of my mother, Natalie Wood. Hmm. And it doesn't stop there. There was a driver for the mortuary <laughs> that drove Natalie Wood's body from the and mortuary I got a story to, tell you. to the funeral home. <laughs> oh, my God. And he wrote a book called Natalie. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes, everybody. He was employed for like five minutes for the yeah, family. She's got a book. We can write a book about Natalie I, after we, this. I think we should. And then there's it's a, like a whole economy on its own. Yes, yes, yes it yes. is. It actually is. It's ten percent of the U.S. economy <laughs> is uh, Natalie Wood books. And so, yeah, let's get into it. You mentioned Brainstorm. Yeah, Brainstorm, the movie that they were doing at the time with Christopher Walken. Some would say he's kind of a loony guy. He's kind of out there. Yeah, and Christopher Walken at that moment is very hot in Hollywood. What's he hot of? He, the Deer oh, Hunter. The he Deer Hunter, that's right. the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Yeah. And he's one of those, you know, like De Niro type, fearless, kind of young yeah. actors. A lot of mystery going on about him. Like, what's this guy? He looks kind of like a wild card. And great performances as well. Yeah. Wow. Great. Wow. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's starting. <laughs> the, it's starting. The walk in impressions. Yeah. Kevin Pollock's here. <laughs> wow. And then we got Jay Moore here, too. Hey. <laughs> yeah. The plot for Brainstorm is a sci fi movie. Researchers develop this system where they can jump into people's minds, that sort of Sounds thing. Sounds like a hunk of shit, if you ask me. And <laughs> it wasn't finished when Natalie died. The executives wanted to kill the project and claim the insurance, but the director, a guy named Douglas Trumbull, Douglas Trumbull, apparently was in his contract. It was up to him to finish the movie or not. And of course, he wants to finish it. The movie was eventually released in 1983 to mixed reviews, forgotten, if yeah. not for being Natalie Wood's last movie. You never know if they're going to be like the biggest explosive movie like The Crow or like Brainstorming or whatever this is. <laughs> Brainstorm. <laughs> yeah. So this was his last studio movie. He didn't work for the studios again. And he went on to direct whatever he could Shit. get. Yeah. Yeah. Including Back to the Future. Wow. The Wait. ride. Ah, that's a great ride. I was about to say, like, what was that yeah. Robert Zemeckis? I guess I'm a fan. That was a that was an amazing they ride. They get directors for a ride? I guess so. <laughs> well, he had fallen <laughs> that fa- far. From, yeah. yeah, exactly. And also like the crow, Brainstorm was shot in North Carolina. Whoa. Tax credits. Holy shit. Connecting all the dots all the here. Dots, yeah. yeah. So after they were finished filming in North Carolina. There were interior shots to do in Los Angeles. 
And so Natalie Wood returned to Los Angeles and Christopher Walken went with her. Oh, I'm coming. <laughs> hey, what a mysterious guy. Apparently he had this wife named Georgianne. Wow. They were married in 1969. What? Yeah. They're still <laughs> married. Oh, so he's married throughout this entire yeah. fucking thing. Wow. <laughs> I'm attached. And she was on the set of Brainstorm, according to reports. But she wasn't on the boat, though. No. Okay. She did not go to Los Angeles. Was he living in New York? Because in, yeah. in the documentary, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, he's not living in L.A. during this time. Yeah. So he joined the Woods and Wagners for Thanksgiving. Daddy Wagner. The family celebrated Thanksgiving with friends at their Beverly Hills home on Cannon Drive. And among the guests at the Thanksgiving party was a playwright and screenwriter named Mart Crowley. And he's famous for the movie and play The Boys in the Band. Crowley also produced Heart to Heart, the Robert Wagner show. Yeah. So he was a friend of the family and very much profiting from being a friend of the family. I noticed they had a lot of friends of the family, people that just kind of hung around in their sphere. Yeah. You know, people that just kind of continually bring around a lot. Yeah. It was like uh, the Burt Reynolds crew from Boogie Nights. Just a lot of people, yeah. just kind of weird characters. And everyone wanted in. Yeah. And so Natalie invited Mart, the playwright, to join them on the yacht that weekend. And also invited was their secretary, Peggy Griffin. But both of them declined, citing that they had a lot of work. That weekend and no thanks. Yeah. Crowley said this in the documentary too, that there was a lot of drama around Robert and Natalie at yeah. this time and he wanted nothing to do with it. So Some that's people really like why that. he declined. Some couple was like, yeah, we're, we want you to come and uh, witness us getting huge fights for an entire weekend. Like, yeah. Who the fuck wants to do that? And anybody that knew these two declined. They knew what was going on. So the new guy, Walken, he's the only one that accepts the invitation. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> How could this go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should mention that there's rumors about Walken and Wood now going on, that they had a romantic fling on the set of Brainstorm. When, where is this coming from? Like, who? Well, because they... The bedroom. They get together in the movie itself. Yeah. But there's a strange part in the documentary where that Trumbull guy, the director, who directed Back to the Future, the ride as well... <laughs> He said that, oh, I heard the rumors about Natalie and Christopher, and I just have to set the record straight because they didn't have any chemistry on the set of Brainstorm. So it would be impossible that they ever got together in real life. That was weird about the documentary, too. Like, why do they feel the need to jam this in there? Oh, it was totally jammed in. It was jammed in. Almost like it was paid per word to convince the audience <laughs> yeah. that no funny business happened between Walken and Wood. Yeah. Like, he got his lines, like, okay, this is where you tell people that there was no chemistry between Christopher and Natalie. Okay, let's roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that's the backdrop to this Thanksgiving weekend, Yeah, is this tension between Walken and Wood and Wagner. It's like Polanski's Knife in the Water. Walken, uh, yeah. Wood, and Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All Ws. A lot of dubs. Yeah, a lot oh, of dubs. Yeah. Does that mean anything? Three Ws. The World Wide Web. Yeah. The internet did it. <laughs> what is that the what's the Trump thing? WWW one like what is QAnon. QAnon, yeah. 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 That's it. really what you were thinking of? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First shot out of the bucket. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> so yeah, going on the yacht is Walken, Wood, Wagner, and then Captain Dennis. Dennis Davern. Yeah. Double D. 
<laughs> this Thanksgiving weekend, unfortunately, was gray, windy, and cold. Yeah. But they decided to take this trip anyway. Yeah. And it's without the kids. <laughs> They're all back at the house with what was the name of that housekeeper in the that they revered in the documentary? Manny Faye? Willie Mae Worthen? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. So Willie Mae and others are taking care of the kids this weekend. Yeah. Natalie wants to throw down. So they anchor the yacht. Remember the name? Well, it, not the Challenger. Splendor. Splendor, yeah. With a U. They anchor it off of Avalon, which is the main town in Catalina. Yeah, it's nice there. A lot of boats out there. And so on Friday, November 27th, the party left around noon to head out on the yacht. They get out there and then they went ashore for drinks and shopping. So they, they go out, they leave the California coast. They leave the coast. And then they go to Catalina. And they go to Avalon. They in, go to Avalon, dock there. And then go in for shopping and dinner and drinks and stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's get... part of Catalina. Yeah. Hammer. Avalon. Yeah. These people yeah. don't uh, have a casual yeah. evening cocktail. No. <laughs> yeah. I'll get this out of the way right now. They were drinking round the clock. Yeah. Wine, beer, whatever. They needed to have a drink in their hand. What did uh, Daddy Wagner, what was his drink of choice? <laughs> whatever he, he was saying in, in the documentary was wine. Wine. Yeah. Come on. He, come on. Yeah. He's drinking straight whiskey. And quail. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so apparently Natalie and Chris Topher. <laughs> a man who looks like <laughs> the devil. He does. Yeah. He looks like he's got <laughs> horns a little bit. Yeah. That kind of go up and he do, and he looks like he's asleep sometimes or dead. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't had a pulse yeah. in 50 years. He looks like he's in like a coffin or something. Yeah. He belongs there. That's where he sleeps. Yeah. I sleep in a coffin. Upside down. Upside down. And we know the backdrop is this movie Brainstorm and that Natalie would basically, she was enamored with walking as an actor. Was he that good? Like, he was good in Deer Hunter, I guess, but everything else I see him as like kind of half there and half just like a, a prop. He's great in Pulp Fiction. He is great in Pulp Fiction. Okay. He has a presence. Yeah, he does. I'm back on track now. You mentioned the Pulp okay. Fiction thing. Then there's these rumors. And with all that going on, they're like giggling together the yeah. entire time. They're I, like besties. I think they liked the drum. They knew all this kind of weird tension that was going on, but they're like, fuck it. We'll just get hammered on a boat and maybe we'll be fine at the end of it. Mm. And... Walken was annoying both the captain and RJ, I'll call him, to, for clarity. You don't, you don't like Daddy Wags. Daddy Wags. <laughs> yeah, he he was rubbing them the wrong way, everyone but Natalie. In which one? Sound like, like everybody was getting rubbed over there. Hey, it's a rubbing fuck. Well, <laughs> the captain said that it was because Walken had arrived on the boat totally unprepared and was complaining about the temperature and having him turn the heat way up and stuff like that. So he didn't bring a sweater, basically. Yeah. It's cold. And RJ... My, my core temperature is uh, low. <laughs> Screw RJ. I'm going to say Robert. Okay. RJ. What the hell is that? So Too many names on this guy. Robert is clearly annoyed of him for other reasons, because yeah. he may be Boinkin, the wife. Boinkin, okay, I like that. Boinkin! Yeah, I would be annoyed also, but why would they invite this guy All right off the okay. bat? That's <laughs> one of the craziest things about this entire story. How was it those three plus the captain on that yacht for the weekend? 
Yeah. Just the worst combination of people. But also, they wanted to bring in some other people to maybe draw out some of the tension. Uh, but none of those people would come knowing that yeah. this is the dynamic. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I wouldn't either. I'd come be save like, us from ourselves. And they're like, no. Nah, <laughs> yeah, you guys do you. And we know that Natalie wanted walking there for obvious reasons. She dug the guy and wanted to get to know him more. And they clearly were getting along very well. Because the movie's still shooting, so like... It's almost done. They have to do some shots in Los Angeles. Okay. But yeah, they're still co-stars. Yeah. And so that night, they docked near the shore, and Walken became seasick. Once they stopped moving? <laughs> to add to him being a pain <laughs> in the ass, he's seasick now. Well, it did stop, but it was also very choppy out there. Yeah. Like, it's, imagine that choppiness all the time, and I, I kind of don't... I don't, you know, blame him for feeling that seasick. It, it seemed like a chaotic night on the sea. The sea was angry that night, and so wasn't Daddy Wagner. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so to remind you, we're still in Friday, November 27th. First day out, and now yeah. the first night out. Walken goes to bed early because he was sick. And due to rough weather, according to Robert, Natalie and Dennis ended up staying at a hotel on shore called the Pavilion Lodge, and they rented out two rooms. But only used one. Oh, yeah, this is the other thing. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. They only used one room, but nothing happened. Infraglante happened. <laughs> Dennis... Well, he's, he, you know, she's got to work off that money somehow. Yeah. Be a year-round captain. Dennis, the captain, claims she knew I would never make a pass at her, so... He stayed in the room as a bodyguard. Okay. So his <laughs> room was left untouched. Yeah, bodyguard. That's right. That's the story. <laughs> and Walken and Robert. <laughs> now I'm saying first and last names. <laughs> All right. I'm saying Daddy Wagner from now on. <laughs> <laughs> That's our third variation. That we, so uh, Walken and Daddy Wagner <laughs> stayed on the Splendor that night. Splendor. But there's a twist. <laughs> Wasn't Splendor that night, I'll tell you that one. Years later, Dennis the captain said the real reason for the hotel stay was not because the weather was rough, but it was because the couple had been arguing nonstop about yeah. walking. Oh, really? Yeah. And it got so bad that Natalie decided she's going to leave the island. Fuck. The next day as fast as she can, but they had to do a hotel that night. I wonder if she brought him in purposely as like a wedge between them so she could justify getting re-divorced to Daddy Wagner. <laughs> and before they went to the hotel, the fighting was so bad that the captain knocked on Walken's door and asked him to please intervene and help stop this beast. <laughs> but then the actor said, quote, never get involved in an argument between a man and a wife. Wow. Kevin Pollack left the room for a second. So <laughs> How would you say that? Never get involved. Can you do it? Never Mark? get involved with a man and his wife. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And later in his police interview, that actually matches the captain's version of that night. They were fighting, and that's why yeah. that was the reason for the hotel stay. But the first go around for police interviews for the captain, as early as November 29th, he told police that all four of them had slept on the yacht that evening. Wait, who said that? The, the captain? captain. That's what he told police at first. Yeah, he lied. But they already had the information that that wasn't true. So right off the bat, the captain was not a credible witness to them. So on his own, I he think because decided... he was taking it to the wife and he didn't want to get out. Oh. Or 
he's loyal to Daddy Wagner. Mm. And that story certainly helps Daddy Wagner, doesn't it? That yeah. there was no fighting. We all stayed on the yacht. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. <laughs> she was mad at her husband. She's in a hotel room alone with this guy all night. They got two rooms, only used one. Even a bodyguard could stay in the next room. And if there's any commotion, they get up and go over. Well, maybe if she was like really I don't believe if it. If she was really, really drunk and she needed to be observed, maybe. She wanted Christopher Walken, not the captain. Yeah. And so now let's go to Saturday, second day out, November twenty eighth, nineteen eighty one. A hungover Natalie asked the clerk where she could catch boat transportation back to the mainland. And then the clerk recalls being surprised that this famous movie actress was looking for public transportation. That's how desperate she is to get away from her husband. Yeah. She wanted off this island. Well, she wanted island. one of those, uh, what, they have those boats that go back and forth every, yeah. every couple yeah, hours. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which, again, it's insane that they ever went out the four of them together like this. Yeah. Because it was a disaster from the very first second that they left Beverly Hills. But at least if it's like a sunny day out and beautiful, like you can go outside and take a dip in the water and people are just more happy. Right. But with this kind of bad rain shit going on, it's like miserable. Yeah. It matches their feelings inside. Yeah. After that, she ends up returning to the yacht, Splendor citing that she didn't want to abandon Christopher Walken, who was her guest that weekend. Mm -hmm. So she made huevos rancheros for everyone on the boat. That was her thing. Yeah. yeah. And everyone acted like nothing happened. (laughs) That's so awkward. (laughs) Yeah. At 11 a.m., they sailed to what's called Isthmus Cove. Also in Catalina. Which is very isolated. Yeah, and it's on the north end of Catalina. Yeah. Everyone's napping in the afternoon, except for Natalie, who was in the main salon, it's called, of the boat, and she was reading. That evening, they dined at a restaurant called Doug's Harbor Reef, and it's the only restaurant (laughs) in this area. Uh, We got Doug's and, uh, yeah. Or you can go fishing. (laughs) Yeah. Or you're fucking horrible rancheros again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or you can go fuck yourself. Speaking of... In an awkward attempt at bonding, Robert, now it's Robert again. Okay. He tries to go fishing with Walken. He tries to get him to go fishing with them off the boat. Oh, my God. And Walken has absolutely zero interest. Well, he just doesn't seem to mesh well with these people. (laughs) No, except (laughs) Natalie. Except Natalie, They're like a couple of giggling schoolgirls together. And so they're at this restaurant, Doug's Harbor Reef. (laughs) Walken and Wood got there first. I mean, is that not nutty? They run off together to go to the restaurant by themselves. Yeah. And then later, Robert and the captain join them. From this documentary in the, you know, the interviews with RJ or Daddy Wagner, whatever we're calling them at this second. um, Robert. Yeah. He seems to like be okay with him, with uh, Christopher Walken. He doesn't seem to, Mm. to really hate him. I don't think he really, it's weird. He's annoyed of him this weekend. In the documentary, in retrospect. He calls him a stand-up guy. Yeah, he calls him a stand-up guy. He's like, yeah, he's a good guy, stand-up guy. He went with the story I told police. I mean, he's a nice guy. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. They're at this restaurant. The others join them. According to the staff, there's a lot of heavy drinking going on. Are you surprised? When isn't there? (laughs) And that there was some volatility emanating from Natalie. 
Oh, geez. She's probably shitty to the staff. That's why. She's probably like, uh, bingo. I hate she that, She was too. completely dissatisfied with the wine list. Oh, God. Get this. It's like Brian Laundry. Then the captain and Christopher Walken took the dinghy boat. It's called a dinghy. Oh, uh, this dinghy. I hate this dinghy. Yeah. For the audience, <laughs> just so you're aware, it's called a dinghy. And yeah. no, it's not a cute name for a mark on your car. It's a boat. It's a little rubber boat. It's like yeah. a lifeboat. And their dinghy was nicknamed Prince Valiant. Oh, my God. Oh, should have been Prince Albert. One of Daddy Wagner's biggest movie flops. Wow. So everything is named after yeah, him. Yeah, so it's a tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Well, Splendor was Natalie. Okay, never mind. I take that back. So after Natalie complains about the wine list, Walken and the captain take the dinghy, Valiant, Prince Valiant, over to the main yacht and grab two bottles of wine from the Wagner personal collection. Just what we need. Because it's better than the restaurants. And while there. Walking in the captain smoke a joint together. I happen to have this joint. Yeah, so they're pretty messed up when they return to the restaurant. Wow, everyone's getting fucked up during yeah. this thing. Yes. So according to the waitress, one of them they couldn't remember had a daiquiri as well. And then two more bottles of champagne were sent over to the table by other patrons. Like they needed them. During the meal, Natalie didn't eat much. And she complained about a laundry list of things like the freshness of the fish and the restaurant's lighting not being right. Oh, my God. And then there was this incident where some wine glasses were broken on the floor. And there was speculation, like, was this out of anger Christopher Walken later told police that it was part of a silly toast where at the end he intentionally threw the glass on the floor to end the toast. So like a Jewish wedding or something? Something like that. <laughs> and then the others followed suit. So they're just fucking up this restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Yelling at the staff. After dinner, they returned to the yacht, Splendor. William Peterson, a shoreboat operator, and then Kurt Craig, part of the Harbor Patrol, they watched the Wagner party motor back to the yacht, and then they heard a female scream. And the overall consensus was that this party of people, this group, it's not in good spirits. There's like, something off yeah, going on. There's something that's gone awry with this party. What we know from afar is they go back to the yacht. They're not in good spirits. They made a scene at the restaurant, and that's it. Good night. And... It's a cold, starless, dark night. The next thing we know is that Natalie Wood was discovered dead, floating in the water face down the next morning, the 29th. I think that will live in unfamy. She's found floating off the coast of Catalina Island, where they are, and the Coast Guard hadn't been called until hours after she went missing. Which, in the documentary, they try to say that they called immediately, and no, they were they on didn't. the case instantly. Nope. Yeah, yeah. That's what um, that's what uh, Daddy Wagner said. He yeah. said, "Yeah, uh, h how do you blame me for this? Uh, I called the Coast Guard. I called the police. But like, yeah, the, he took the Highway Patrol was there. The Coast Guard was <laughs> on the scene immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, they weren't. Yeah, the NAACP was there. AAA was there. Uh, Gloria you know. Allred. Yeah, the oh, <laughs> MPAA yeah, <she> was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> called everyone. <laughs> so she was found around eight a.m. And she was wearing a flannel nightgown and a red down jacket. That doesn't sound like somebody go to take a dinghy ride in or anything. <laughs> Whatever she was playing. And the inflatable dinghy, Prince Valiant, was found washed up on the rocks 
with the ignition turned off and it's in neutral with the oars up. Huh. And then the basic timeline of what went down is 11 p.m. Saturday night, Natalie went missing. And at 1.30 a.m., the harbor master is called. And then at 3.30, that's when the Coast Guard is finally alerted. Yeah. And then at 7.45 a.m. is when her body was discovered. Mm. The toxicology report came out with her blood alcohol level at 0.14%, about 0.04% above the drunk driving level. Yeah, well, the the level right now is is one point before they change it to point zero eight. Yeah, that's a decent amount. You know, I I figured she was way more drunker than that, but she was also on other. There things. was a litany of pills. Yeah. Also, here's another thing: her bladder was full, which means it's less likely that she was conscious before hitting the water. So she had to take a a squeege. Yeah, you're not gonna hold it in in that situation. So if she was conscious in the water, panicking. Yeah, yeah. definitely would have. Let it out. The autopsy detailed bruising on her body, but the coroner labeled it as superficial, the bruising. Hmm. Were the bruises before or after she drowned? And there was no mention of what was under her fingernails. As you know, and we've discussed before, that's very important in murder cases. Yeah. Find out what's under the fingernails. They're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Defensively trying to fight for their life. L.A. County Coroner's Chief Medical Examiner, Thomas Noguchi, downplayed the sensationalism in the case because of something that happened a couple weeks prior. Pum, pum, pum. The plot thickens. Y'all remember that show, Heart to Heart? I do. That Robert Wagner was currently starring in and making a lot of money from? Yes. He co-starred with this woman named Stephanie Powers. And the same rumors that swirled around Christopher Walken and Natalie Wood were swirling around him and his co-star, Stephanie. Wow. But she was not on the yacht with them that weekend. Yeah. So no tension there. But Stephanie Powers was married to a very famous actor named William Holden. Oh, yeah. Who was a hard drunk. I feel like everyone's just fucking... So... Ripping Raging. and running. Yeah, so he he's on one of his tears, and he falls and hits his head and then bleeds to death. Whoops. By the way, this is quite a coincidence. Sure. This was just two weeks before Natalie Wood died. Yeah. That his co-star Stephanie's husband died. Yeah. Back to Thomas Noguchi, the chief medical examiner, he publicly said that William Holden died because he was drunk and fell. So Hollywood was outraged. They call it an invasion of privacy. Oh, Like, man. why would you reveal that he was a drunk like yeah. that? Oh, yeah. And so, so now, with, with that hanging over Noguchi's head, he's handling the Wood case and downplaying it. Nervous yeah. Noguchi, they called him. Yes. I would be, too. There's that alliteration I love. <laughs> Noguchi concluded that Natalie fell in the water trying to board the dinghy. And in 1983, Noguchi, what do you think he did in 1983, like everyone else involved he got in drunk Natalie's did, life? He some pills? No, he wrote a book. Oh, oh okay. my God, this guy. <laughs> and it's called Coroner, one word. And in it, he says, quote, why had she slipped out of the stern of the yacht in the middle of the night, climbed down a ladder, and untied the dinghy? So he presented all these questions like that. 
and provided no answers. <laughs> so who cares about the book? Wow. This guy Noguchi is kind of like a shithead a yeah. little bit. Like- yeah, he's pretty much responsible for it being such a quick open and shut case. Yeah. The cause of death was officially listed as accidental drowning. And no charges were filed against anybody. Wow. <laughs> On December 2nd, 1981, Natalie Wood was buried in Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery. Oh. And the funeral was attended by her awful mom. <laughs> yeah. I knew this was going to happen. No yeah. more moving pictures for her. Oh, yeah, she's Russian. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> she made her last movie. She was at the funeral with the daughters <laughs> and the friends. I saw a vision of her dying. <laughs> Have I, I told was, you? When I was 15. <laughs> So, I'm sure you're wondering what happened to Splendor, the yacht. It was blown up. Yeah. It's Uh, no longer with us. (laughs) It was not surprisingly considered a cursed boat after that night and was hidden away on some shore for a while before Robert Wagner donated it to the Sea Scouts, a youth boating club. Like, it ended up killing a hundred kids, just like the James Dean car. Okay, we... (laughs) Now we're getting a little crazy. (laughs) So despite the inconsistencies in the testimonies of the three principal witnesses, Captain Dennis, Christopher Walken, and Robert Wagner, the police investigation was closed on December 11th, 1981, about two weeks after Natalie's death. Ah, we're good here. Open and shut. Yep. Barely opened. Yeah, there's like a small... Hardly had the time to say little, hello. A little yeah. thin manila folder. They're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> they throw in the fire. They throw in the fire. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's fast forward to 2011. Ooh. There's more to this. The case was reopened with two new anonymous eyewitnesses. But who else could it be? Like, there, was there a seal that saw it or something? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> It's Catalina Island. There's boats around. Oh, that's and true. And think yeah. of all the restaurant staff, the hotel staff, just people that were around yeah. and witnessing this behavior. Yeah, it's just the, the behavior, not just the murder itself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So now the official cause of death was changed from accidental drowning to drowning and other undetermined factors by the L.A. coroner's office. That's mm-hmm. a big change right there. After all that time, thirty years is wild. You just yeah. you don't see that. Not unless they're getting ready to bust a uh, famous actor at the end of his life. Now let's fast forward to 2018. <laughs> Authorities now classified Natalie's death as suspicious, and Robert Wagner was named a person of interest. So do they? get the death certificate back and then they pull white out over uh, <laughs> a drowned yeah accidental drown and they and they change it plus Were some you other there? things that's plus exactly some, yeah some how other it happened. happened yeah and he's named a person of interest which is different from a suspect yeah it just means that he was kind of the last person who was with her before she died you yeah. know so he might have some answers it's an official police designation since the case has been reopened, Wagner has refused to talk to investigators. His story over the years has been inconsistent. And so now the latest from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department is that it remains an open investigation and that they will not stop until they have all the answers. That's a long time to be ongoing. Yeah, yeah. 40 years now. No, but still even since 2011. The, the reopening. Yeah. yeah. All right, so... 
Mark, are you ready now to get into the accounts from each of the principal players I'm in this so fucking ready, sordid dude. murder mystery? Kyle, you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> are you fucking ready to look into this? Are you ready, Kyle? <laughs> Let's rock! <laughs> Let's hear some testimony! What, what is this, a great white show all of a sudden? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no thanks. Not until next month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not until the real show next month. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with the account of Daddy Wagner. Are you sitting down? Well, I, I hope I am. In 1981, he claimed that the crews had been happy before the freak accident occurred. Everyone was in good spirits and happy vibes yeah, all around. Good time. Yeah. We were playing hacky sack. Everything was great. <laughs> and so according to Noguchi himself, a nonviolent argument had occurred before Wood's disappearance. And that's what appeared in Noguchi's book that version he labeled it a non-violent yeah. argument that's a weird thing to qualifier for an argument yeah so naturally wagner had to get his side of the story out so in his book heart to heart which was released in 1986 that's where he put his official version of the story out of what occurred that night he said that he had been having a political discussion with walken Okay. That started at the restaurant and continued onto the yacht, but it was respectful. Mm -hmm. And that's what they were discussing. And so then he says that Natalie became bored during the political argument. So, quote, she left us after about a half an hour and we sat there talking for almost another hour. Then I went to kiss her goodnight and found her missing. End quote. Wow. And then he noticed that the dinghy was missing as well. And so that's when they called the Coast Guard. So he's like, oh, let me just go check on the dinghy really quick before I go to bed. Yeah. In another memoir that he wrote years and years later, he says there are two possibilities of what happened to Natalie that night. One, Natalie wanted to escape the love triangle and crawled into the dinghy herself. She had just had enough of the drama. What triangle if she wasn't with Christopher Walken? Well, his story has changed so many times. Yeah. There was that version of the political debate, but then later on, I'll get into how he admits that they were actually fighting about Natalie and Christopher. Yeah. And well, in the documentary, that's what he says. And so number two, the other possibility is that Natalie noticed the dinghy was loose and she had hated the noise it made when clanging against the side of the yacht. And so while trying to tie it back up, she fell into the water. Coroner Noguchi wrote in his book that he had trouble with this theory because a rubber dinghy would make very little noise when hitting a yacht. But he noted that sometimes silence is subjective. Well, Robert uh, or Daddy Wagner had uh, Natasha confirm that. Yeah. That they're like, oh, you remember that dinghy I, I hated? She's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. She's like, I just remember mom hated the noise that it would make yeah. all the time and yeah. say, Robert, go go uh, tie up the dinghy. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, and so... <laughs> Next question. <laughs> that's the basic version of Robert Wagner's account of that night. There was some kind of argument, and then she went to bed, and Wagner stayed up longer, and then when he went to bed, he found that she was missing, and so was the dinghy. And then he, you know, eventually alerted the Coast Guard, and all's well that 
didn't end well. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. He was more concerned about the dinghy, I think. Yeah. Where's my dinghy? <laughs> my dinghy's missing. Oh, yeah, my wife. <laughs> Sounds like a personal problem, pal. <laughs> also, your wife's dead. <laughs> and so he... Call us back when something serious happens, okay? <laughs> All case that... closed. <laughs> yeah, case closed. Smile later, we gotta go. <laughs> so Daddy Wagner cooperated with the cops at first, but... After that, he was less cooperative through the years. And yeah. since the case has been reopened, not cooperative at all. Okay. And a statement from Wagner's attorney in 2013 says, Mr. Wagner has been interviewed on multiple occasions by the L.A. Sheriff's Department and answered every single question asked by the detectives during those interviews. So, yeah, his inconsistent account through the years, it always ends with he went and found that she was missing. But he later admitted there was a lot of jealousy in the air and he was arguing with Natalie and then Christopher Walken stepped in. The argument was about her returning to work and acting more and Robert thought that she should be at home more with the kids. Hmm. And they had this big Uh, argument about it and Walken stepped in and said, hey, you know, let her do what she wants, man. Yeah. She's an actress and she's an icon (laughs) and she should be in movies. So that's where Robert Wagner says, mind your own fucking business and breaks the wine bottle on the table. Yeah. And it's just this rage fueled drunken argument. And Natalie goes to her room, Walken goes to his room and that's that. That brings us to his latest account of it, which was featured in the documentary that we talked about, Natalie Wood, What Remains Behind, mm-hmm. which premiered on HBO in 2020. It's purported to be a love letter to Natalie Wood, this documentary, but you quickly realize the film's purpose is actually to exonerate Robert Wagner. Yeah. Danny Wagner puff piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hidden inside of that is kind of just a, a, a side note a sly way of trying to get her dad out of, uh, you know, being named as a suspect in the murder of, of her mom. Yeah. That's the way I saw it. The centerpiece of this documentary is Natasha Gregson Wagner's interview with her daddy, Robert Wagner. And we have a clip. This is so creepy. I remember I had, a, you know, a few glasses of vino and I was feeling pretty vino. good. And, uh, That's it? We came back, you know, to the to the boat. Uh-huh. I opened up another bottle of wine and had a couple more glasses of wine. And Vino. I sat there with Chris, and we started talking. And uh, he started to mention to me about your mother and how wonderful she was and what a great actress she was and how he enjoyed working with her. And he said, you know, I think it's important that she works. I said, I think it's important if you stay out of her life. Oh, jeez. Uh, escalated quickly. About that. His, suddenly he's telling me what she should do and how she should behave. How should, she should behave. I don't think that was and what so came up. mother went down below our stateroom where we, where we, our bedroom was down below and she went down below to get ready to go to bed and I sat there with Chris and I said, why don't you just, you know, don't tell her what to do and stay out of her life. And I picked up the bottle and smashed it on the table. And, you know, I I was really, you know, angry at him about it. So he admits smashing the bottle and being furious and being furious. But he's he's quick to say after that, he goes, but I calmed down. I I calmed down and everything was fine. Yeah. And then we find her dead. 
Well, but, then yeah. after that, he goes, uh, then Chris went outside and I followed him. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. <laughs> then he came back down and I followed him there and we talked some more. I'm like, what is, what is, what yeah, is, what else do you have to talk about? Ear, yeah. yeah. I think Walken was just on eggshells this entire weekend. He's like, you know, she's a good actress, you know, and then he's like, he's like, no, mind your fucking business, motherfucker. I'll fucking kill you. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you say good things about my wife? You son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it makes him seem like a rage filled guy. Yeah. So let's go to the next clip. He went to his cabin, which was up on the other part of the forward on the boat. and Walken. Uh, Dennis, I had Dennis, you know, we, we swept up the glass off the floor and cleaned up the salon a bit. And we talked about leaving the next day to go back to the mainland. And then I, I went below, and when I went below, she wasn't there. And so I, I, I looked around, I looked in the, in the bathroom, and she was in the bathroom. And I went on the aft end of the bar, and the dinghy was gone. And I came back up, and I said, I got uh, Dennis and, and Chris. I said, you know, Natalie's not here. She's 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 taken off, I guess, in the dinghy. I better, <laughs> did any of you hear it? And, uh, we, no, see, nobody heard anything. Right. We, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything about, you know, uh, we would have heard it if, I believe, if the dinghy had fired up. Yes. Yes. So, uh, I... Uh, I called the shore boat. One of the guys came out because I thought maybe she had gone back to the restaurant or back to the isthmus where there were these little slips where you could put your boat in and go in. I remember those. The dinghy oh, wasn't there. and She wasn't there. And I yelled up at the guy. says, Natalie up there? No, he's not here. Yeah, I got right. back and the shore boat came back. I said, she's not. She didn't go ashore, at least to the isthmus. Right. So it was then that we, we called the shore patrol. Hours said, later. We don't see anything. No, we haven't seen anything. We called the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard came in, and then, you know, we waited for a long God, it seemed like forever to me. And Because they were looking for her, yeah, right? Yeah, they were looking for her. And this man that I knew and that your mother knew, Doug Bombard, he was took care of everything in Catalina at that time and had all of Mornings of which we. What do you mean he took care had of her? And he, uh, I don't know. Like a fixer. Like a Ray Dunham. He said, We found her. And I said, Oh, great. Is she okay? And he said, She's dead. <laughs> yeah. But is she okay? But you knew that. Yeah, no shit. Weird. Yeah, his account doesn't make a ton of sense. He's all over the place. Yeah. He well, didn't he's spring missing... into action to save her. He's <laughs> you know? wasted. Yeah. Well, they're all wasted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The captain was drinking with them, too. Th- like, There's like a boat of blackout adults. Yes. This final clip from the interview shows the daughter's purpose for this whole documentary. But it's important to me, Daddy, that people think of you daddy the way i know that you are and it bothers me that anyone would ever think that you would be involved in what happened to her because you would have given your life for my mom and that's true listen to this we all would have i mean you know if if there was a if we'd have heard anything or anything that was going on or any kind of disaster was going to take place we'd have been there you see how he's a bit uncomfortable responding to her saying, you would have given your life for her. He's yeah. like caught off guard. Oh, well, um, yeah, kinda, we you all. know, we all would. You would have <laughs> too, right? I mean, <laughs> he's saying all lives matter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 
Daddy didn't sound too cool right there. No. Yeah. Wait, so now we're going to get to the account of Dennis DeVerne, the captain. Captain, my captain. He originally corroborated RJ's version of events, and he even signed a statement prepared by attorneys saying the same story that RJ gave. I wonder. Daddy Wagner. Did he have the same attorneys as Daddy Wagner? Yes. So they had a joint defense uh, counsel? Yeah, he was part of the Wagner team. Oh, see, that's sketchy, man. Kind of similar to cousin greg on succession yeah yeah where they just need to keep him at bay yeah you know no spoilers in 2011 the captain's story changed and so in his version after walking went to bed he went up to the deck which was above the main bedroom where natalie and rj were arguing originally he said they weren't arguing yeah. But now they're arguing, and he overheard Robert say, get off my fucking boat to Holy Natalie. shit. And so then Dennis went down to check on them, but was told to go away. And one theory is that this is where Robert beat Natalie unconscious and then dumped her overboard. So Robert later came back and joined the captain for more wine around 11.30 p.m. This is around the same time that Natalie was missing. You guys thirsty? They hung out until about 1.30 a.m. And that's when Robert said, I better go back down and check on Natalie. A few <laughs> minutes later, he came back up and said, she's gone. After suggesting they fire up the floodlights and cruise around looking for her, Robert shot him down. And he said, no, we're not going to do that. So under this theory, it could have been that he pushed her over the side beat her up, mm-hmm. in that she could be somewhere around there trying to fight her way back onto the boat or the dinghy or something. Yeah. Why would she detach the dinghy in this scenario, I wonder? Robert could have detached I the dinghy. I think he did. To make it, it on look, and let it fly away. Yeah, to make it look like oh. she had detached the dinghy. But that's really the main point of the captain's version, is that there was a vicious fight. But Walken would hear this fight, too. We're going to get to that in Walken's wow. version. But that's always the part that never makes that much sense. Yeah. And apparently, too, the fighting was so bad that the captain turned his music up really loud on the top deck to drown out the loud fighting that apparently Walken slept through. (laughs) So shortly after the death, the captain would continue to grieve and drink with RJ. What? And... RJ had even gotten him small bit parts on TV and would pay DeVern with checks. Two grand here, two grand there. And friends of the captain kind of saw this as hush money. That's just speculation. That's what I That's what I thought just when yeah. you were saying that. And through the years, Dennis DeVern sold his story to the tabloids. And he even had a disastrous appearance on Geraldo in 1992, in which he was secretly filmed admitting that he lied to police initially. This appearance took away from the credibility of the captain, obviously. And afterwards, Daddy Wagner sent DeVern a letter warning him that he better keep quiet. Is there proof of this letter? From the captain. Oh, yeah. I'm the captain now. He's uh, unassailable. I've been waiting. I have been waiting for that pun and that line from the Tom Hanks movie the entire episode. Oh, and you finally delivered it. We did. We got it. Years later, the captain returned to Florida. Remember where he first brought the Challenger, aka Splendor, from Florida to California. Well, he returned to Florida to work 
painting and restoring old boats. And he got married and had three kids. He named his first child Natasha. Oh. And I have a clip of the captain on Nancy Grace in 2011 when the case was first reopened. Boom shakalaka. That night, Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood, a uh, ferocious fight going on. You turned up your music so they would not think in your mind that you were eavesdropping or trying to hear Wonder them. What music it was. But you did hear them. Yeah, yes, I did. Um, Captain and the arguing went on to the there deck. And moments later, everything became silent. I decided, well, I'm going to go down below and just I'm going to go to the F deck and just see if everything's okay. What the F is going on, you know Robert what I mean? Wagner was standing there. <laughs> Captain's here to fix your problem. The boat, facing, the, facing the boat. And he said that, uh, that Natalie was missing and would I go search the boat? He said to me, he said, well, he said the dinghy has gone too. Well, I, I, mm. I, I, just, I just knew that Natalie was so deathly afraid of water, not really capable of Dark taking water. that boat by herself. And I said, let's turn on the searchlight to see if we, cannot, if we could see her. And he says, we're not going to do that. He said, no, let's call the, let's call the restaurant. He said, we're not going to do that either. And uh, after a couple hours, hmm. we Who called said the restaurant. Call the okay. And right after that, people from the restaurant came out to the boat. So we, the Coast Guard was contacted, and they were going to start doing their search. And by now, it's getting daylight, and they came back to the boat, and they say they found Natalie Wood's body floating. And the dinghy was somewhat nearby her. <laughs> Painful to listen to that guy talk, but... Jesus. Yeah. And by the way, I took out probably 20 long pauses. <laughs> you basically got so the, the gist. So Nancy Grace just bears with him? Just yeah. Like, yeah. He'll, oh, he'll get to it eventually. Yeah, good luck watching that in its entirety. It yeah, is that was long enough. That felt like... Boring. Godfather. So he seems like a pretty low-key guy there. Check out his later appearance on Dr. Oz and look at his haircut. <laughs> I also start to fear, feel fearful for my own life because I'm thinking, to me, this whole thing didn't make sense. Oh my God. I was thinking to myself, I wonder. He's got some wretched ponytail coming thinking, out of the back of his head. Looks like Goro. Maybe I should get rid of him. <laughs> From Mortal Kombat. <laughs> In case you missed what he was saying, he said that he feared for his life that night and still kind of continues to fear for his life for speaking out, implying that Robert Wagner could put out a hit on him or something. Oh, yeah. Robert, Robert Wagner. He doesn't want that. Hey. <laughs> what? He doesn't want his uh, Robert to RJ to cut off his ponytail. Yeah, that haircut's <laughs> worth saving. <laughs> Yeah, like, what? There's a major what? artery in that ponytail. It's going to die. What happened between 2011 and now that morphed into that ponytail? I don't, this guy. Like the end of, uh, was it Jason Alexander at the end of um, that? Shallow Hell? Yeah, Shallow Hell. He had an actual tail. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually Not did. a ponytail. Yeah, that was uh, that was very weird. So that's the captain. You've oh, met captain. the captain and you've heard his account. Yeah. What did. did we gather from that account? Big fight. RJ could have murdered her. Now yeah. let's get to Christopher Walken. Oh. Famous. I, I don't know. Why me? Actor. <laughs> I was sleeping. So after this infamous fight where the wine bottle's broken, Walken goes over to his room in the front of the boat, goes to sleep. And he says that he heard nothing. 
who could sleep like that? That's like the Brady Bunch. Remember, they just they just go right to bed, <laughs> like <laughs> like good night, mom, and then you go right right away. They're sleeping. Like remember who? the all the round the clock drinking. Yeah, he might have passed out. Perhaps possible. I mean, it's kind of weird that he wouldn't hear the captain's music it was blared that close, yeah. and the very loud argument between You said there's a yacht, but like it's Natalie still very, and Robert. Every, everything's very close. Oh, yeah. It's a big yacht, but still, it's a yacht. It's not a mansion. No, yeah. People are still a little close. Two interviews were conducted with Walken shortly after the death, and his account was pretty close to Dennis DeVerne's. He said that the argument that night in the salon was about their home life and that Robert complained that Natalie was away from the kids too much and that she should focus on her home life over her career. There's that Cinderella complex I was talking about yeah. by my maybe great aunt, well, he's, Colette Dowling. He's making this TV show heart to heart. So he's like, that's like a nine to five Monday through Friday job. So he's mm-hmm. like, you know, I want you. But they also... It's just drunken. Yeah, just drunken bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. Walking, we know, stepped in to support Natalie in the argument. And, you know, it escalated, but ended with apologies all around. So Walking goes to bed. That's it. When he wakes up, they're looking for Natalie. And later she's discovered dead. And that's it, according to Walking. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Wow. He was silent about it after those initial police interviews for years and years until 1997 when he spoke to Playboy magazine. So, yeah, I have an excerpt from the Playboy interview here. And let me just uh, speed through this a little bit. I feel like you should read it, actually. Okay. Do you have it for me? Poor Natalie. Is that big enough for you? The type? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm not a grandparent here yet. Anybody saw the logistics of the boat the night where we were, that it was raining, and would know exactly what happened. You hear about things happening to people. They slip in the bathtub, fall down the stairs, step off the curb in London because they think the cars come uh, come the other way, <laughs> what the and they die. What are you talking about? <laughs> you feel you want to die making an effort at something. You don't want to die in some unnecessary way. Ain't that the truth? What happened that night? Only she knows because she was alone. (laughs) She had gone to bed before us. (laughs) And her room was at the back. A dinghy was bouncing against the side of the boat. I love love walking saying dinghy. Dinghy. And I think she went out to move it. There was a ski ramp that was partially in the water. It was slippery. I had walked on it myself. (laughs) She had told me she couldn't swim. In fact, they had to cut a swimming scene from Brainstorm. The movie they were in together. Yeah, plugging that one. (laughs) Yeah, coming out in two weeks. No, he didn't say that. Uh, She was probably half asleep and she was wearing a coat. So that's the full quote. Yeah. Of, 1997. Wow. It's just like rambling insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Master Impressions, guys. I'll be at Flappers Comedy Club um, <laughs> in the YooHoo room on the 415 show on Sunday. Um, okay. Now do it as Shatner. 
It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Captain's log. <laughs> she was wearing a coat. <laughs> William was probably jealous he wasn't on the yacht that weekend, too. Oh, yeah. I'll tell I gotta you how look. to get away with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's wife killing in the water and booze, I yeah. want in. I'm in. <laughs> person of interest. What is a person of interest? <laughs> a Pinterest. <laughs> uh, so Walken thinks that Natalie hit her head trying to remove the dinghy and fell into the water. Imagine him as a character witness, though, in, in a court of law. <laughs> like Both sides would be like, okay, we'll just mistrial yeah. <laughs> as, soon as, he, as soon as he says two sentences. And to remind the audience, in Daddy Wagner and Walken's account, why was she going to fuss with the dinghy to go to shore, possibly? Does if that... she was going to go to shore, she would have taken the captain with her. Exactly. That's what everybody says. Yeah. She was afraid of the water and would most certainly not have gone by herself at night in no. the dinghy to get to but shore. But she had this closer relationship with the captain who was up there playing music. Mm -hmm. She would have asked for his help in some way. They just slept maybe together was, in the was, hotel. Maybe he yeah, was they did. The night yeah. before. Yeah, maybe that's why. And I don't mean sleep like sexually. I just mean I do. But you know, I do also. I it's think it's a close relationship, though. You yeah. know, it's like they've known this guy for years, and she felt comfortable with him. So of course she would have said, "Can I say my two cents?" Let's go. I think because all of a sudden RJ's like, "This is my fucking boat. I own Dennis. I pay him." Because Dennis is make, I mean, RJ is making a ton of money around this time. Oh, so he's yeah. like throwing his money around and using it against her. Yeah. So that's why she's like, maybe I'll just go on my own and fuck these people and I'm going to, you know, <laughs> jump in the water. Could be. I'll take. And then since the case has been reopened, Walken hired a litigation specialist named Matthew Rosengart to represent him. So if you don't think, help. yeah, if you don't think <laughs> that he hired legal help <laughs> after the case was reopened, you're dead wrong. Yeah. He realizes that. He was concerned. Yes. There may be a knock at his door someday, so he's got the legal team ready. I don't want to lose these Wayne's World dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's World 2 dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Not even the first one. The yeah. sequel. It's like the Godfather 2 of Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's part two. Yeah. <laughs> and while he was doing looping and I think shooting his final scenes for Brainstorm that was finished after Natalie died, remember? Yeah. He spoke to Entertainment Tonight. Did having a co-worker and a friend die change your attitude about living, Christopher? Well, I suppose, uh, you know, confrontation with the... the sudden absence of somebody you're working with and know uh, for anybody you know it's bound to make a difference in your life what's yes, this backing sure. music how also? do you it's feel awful. about the way the media handled the fact that natalie wood did die during the shooting of brainstorm how do you think that was dealt with great they handled <laughs> best it, way ever you know and the only way they could it was a shocking thing and uh yeah it was shocking and, uh, shocking i think everything happened that Jesus, him and the captain. He's still with Do us, Chris. Do you think that the real story of Natalie Wood's death has wake up, Chris? Chris, Chris yeah, yeah, wake him up. The real story of her uh, death is that she um, she died, drowned, and uh, nobody knows uh, how she drowned or except what for me. Except uh, <laughs> I know uh, the secrets. That's what it is. 
and I'm keeping them. There is no real story. You know, there is. <laughs> There's a live band that. playing the backing cracks with us. There's no story except for, you know, the story. Yeah. What the fuck? So are y'all clear on his account? I'm more confused than when we, st- when we started this whole thing. Because according to him, she just kind of disappeared. Yeah. At no point did I feel confident in anything he just said right there. In anything any of them have said. No, yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, They're hiding something. But that's the gist, though. The gist is there was an argument. They all went to bed. They all went their separate ways. And then it was discovered that Natalie was missing and that she was probably trying to get to the mainland on the dinghy and drown trying to do that. Yeah. But he lawyered up in 2011. At some point, you got to do that. Yeah. Wouldn't you hire a lawyer in that situation? But if you're that scatterbrained... To bring up Scatterbrain again, and you're that kind of like not with it, like yeah. If you you're Charlie get, Rose in it, then <laughs> yeah, you could get yourself into trouble just by like you know freestyling kind of yeah. responses to the DA. But he's lucky that his freestyling actually serves him better because it can be interpreted in so many different ways. <laughs> yeah, well, he could get uh, an insane defense, but as a witness. Because <laughs> he can't say a coherent <laughs> sentence. It's all over the place. And it's, how is he? He, he kind of talks like Donald Trump a little bit. Like right. he just moves onto ideas very yeah. quickly. Rhymes and yeah. riddles. Yeah, yeah. He speaks in riddles. And you can see <laughs> this is why the captain and not to take Daddy Wagner's side, but they were annoyed of him the whole weekend because he's flirting with Natalie the whole time yeah. and probably talking like that. Yeah, And as the more calm he gets defending Natalie on the boat that night, the more enraged Daddy Wagner got. Well, if Christopher Walken's just scatting like that the entire weekend, that would get on my fucking nerves, yeah. too. It's just like... I'm like, punch this nerd. <laughs> What's this guy saying? <laughs> and it's a recipe. The drunker he gets, probably the more cr- wild it yeah. gets. <laughs> recipe for disaster because then you got Daddy Wagner, who's already full of rage yeah. all the time. And then you have all these unresolved issues between him and his wife, Natalie, under the backdrop of now she's flirting with Christopher Walken and then throw in all the booze. The ocean is fun. It's great. Uh, your wife should be acting more. Yeah, it's a wonder that any of them survived that night. Yeah. Now let's go to Lana Wood, Natalie's younger sister who made the Uh, Kirk Douglas allegation. Looney Lana earlier. Yeah. Well, you're not far off. (laughs) She's 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 a bit like the captain. Through the years, she's made a lot of tabloid runs. Her stories change and stuff. Or it hasn't really changed too much. She's always alleged that Daddy Wagner, but she comes up with new stuff. Yeah, she's There's dropping all... new bombs. Oh yeah, yeah, like Kirk Douglas was a new bomb in the latest book. Yeah, it's like when Tupac dies and he's got uh, records coming out. Yeah, <laughs> there's actually a clip of her on Inside Edition from a couple of years ago where she was literally homeless. She was unhoused. Yeah. And of course, the Wagners aren't going to help her out because she has accused the dad. Well, in that documentary, yeah, in the documentary, they're like, you know, oh, we hate Lana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They really paint her as a kook in the documentary. Yeah. Okay. So Lana thinks that Robert had something to do with the death and caused it. What's her proof, though? This woman named Marilyn Wayne told Lana, and she also has told the new investigation team. The same thing. But she told Lana one day over lunch that Marilyn had been on a nearby boat that night and heard a woman screaming, help me. 
And then she heard a man's voice saying, like, don't help her. Yeah, exactly. Like, Calm down. <laughs> that sort of thing. Cancel that request. <laughs> also, according to Lana, in 1960, Natalie went running to the neighbor's house and said that RJ was going to kill her. She had a red stained sweater, according to the Ooh. neighbors. Was that wine? They don't spill their wine, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. When they dr- when they drop it, it goes down their throat. That's real alcohol abuse is spilling it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's basically it with Lana. She's often hard-pressed for money, and she recycles the story every few years. But it's basically the same story that, in a fit of rage, Robert Wagner accidentally killed Natalie and pushed her into the water. So she just goes to a publisher and just says, hey, I'm kind of broke. I think I have a new angle on my sister. Yeah. Do you want to you know, buy another book? One guy that took the bait was Dr. Oz. So I have a clip of her well, on Dr. Dr. Oz. Oz is, I wouldn't call him a legitimate person in any way. This guy's a dumb fuck. So here's a recent interview. I mean, I, hate, <laughs> I feel terrible bringing this up, but every time there is a case similar to this, which you know happens continually. What does everybody say? He would never have done that. He would ne- He wasn't like that. He was gentle, he was kind. You know what? People cross the line, sometimes not purposefully, which is why I've always said, people have said to me, do you think it was premeditated? Absolutely not, but it happened. A line was crossed. If you could see him again, ask him just one more question before it's too late. He's, he's 91 years old. Yeah. What would you ask him? Absolutely nothing because I don't, I don't believe him or trust him anymore. He has, he has in his own words, in his books, given three different stories about what has happened. Not and right. I really feel that he is not she's capable. Ma- she's making a lot of sense. Of simply being yeah. truthful. In her other point. interviews, she kind of, she sounds kind of more loony. Yeah, I know she she's really very, together yeah. here. She's very lucid. I know here. what you yeah. mean. She's, she, very, she's lucid, Lana. Like now. when she was, <laughs> yeah. Because when she was uh, homeless, Lana, I can't think of an L word. Okay. Uh, she w- <laughs> was a little more. Living on the street, Lana. A little more, uh, there you go, batty. Yeah, maybe she was just more angry and she's in a better place now. I think she got a good payday for the latest book. Oh, the Kirk Douglas deal. Because you guys heard of the book, right? Well, I heard the news. I yeah. heard the that news. That came from the book. Yeah. I just heard the news. So her book is getting attention, so it must be selling okay. Well, if that news came out of that and that kind of went like wildfire, everyone's talking about that. Kirk Douglas. Yeah. And so now I'm going to present a totally wild blind item version of events. Remind people what the blind items are. Blind items are stories pieced together from anonymous sources Uh, without naming names. And there's like websites where they're posted sometimes. Yes. Okay, so now we're going to get into this wild theory. There was too much booze, too many drugs, uh, too much bottled up hostility. Natalie Wood was drunk and angry. And then she was mocking her husband, RJ, rubbing it in his face the time that she caught him doing it with another guy. You're a cock, you queer. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Right. I'm going to fuck Christopher Walken up on (laughs) the top of the front. Yeah. I I love how she's from Boston. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) you're a cock. So she. She was threatening to go public with that information and that, you know, that alone would have definitely destroyed his career and life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Heart to heart would have been canceled and canceled. So 
the guest, Christopher Walken, really did leave for bed, though he heard it all happen, as did the worker, Captain Dennis, who was also on board. So it was just the two of them yelling and shoving each other. Natalie retreated indoors and Robert went after her. When she got back outside, she demanded to be taken home. She said she would call on her lawyer and that he can stay behind. Since the house and money were hers, not sure what that means. It feels like RJ had a lot of money. Yeah. It sounds like she's telling him that will be the outcome of a divorce. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So RJ obviously is panicking and he reached to grab her. And then when she pulled away, she slipped and fell into the water. Daddy Wagner could have saved her right there, but he started mocking her as she was screaming for help and yelling from the water. He continued taunting her, and then the guest, Christopher Walken, came to see what was happening and tried to help, just like he tried to intervene in the argument earlier and defend Natalie. And so then the husband, Robert Wagner, told Chris that she's just trying to get attention. She's playing hysterical Mm -hmm. and does this all the time. So don't mind her and that she can save herself just fine. And so she continued out there in the cold water, screaming for several minutes. And the captain, Dennis Deverne, had been yelling to her that he'd help her. And so now the three men are arguing. And then they realize that she wasn't screaming anymore. So Daddy Wagner panics and they all go out to try to find her. Walken now demands to call for help or to be taken home. RJ threatens him and says, you're part of this now, too. And so then Daddy Wagner sits outside for hours and continues drinking and crying. They realize how much deep shit they're in. So now they have to get their story straight. If one goes down, they all go down. So this is is this your hot theory? I'm sorry. This is the blind item. Oh, you have a short memory. I do. Is just to wild? keep our listeners and because, you know, yeah. time flies. Okay. Anyway. And so now the cover up begins and there's tons of leaks in their stories. But anytime a discrepancy pops up, they just stick together. And so then the powers that be were reminded that they were elected officials and to stop digging because it won't bring her back. But the blind item ends saying, the truth will come out. Always. Wow. All right. So that's a wild Not theory. Not always. I mean, I don't know how wild it is. I think that is probably closest to the truth. If Christopher Walken and the other dude knew she was drowning and they still went back in the boat, it's like, that is just some cowardly shit. Mm-hmm. It's cowardly shit no matter what in any of their scenarios. Because they didn't call the Coast Guard for over two hours after she went missing. Yeah. Daddy Wagner, I'm going to stop saying that. RJ, I'm going to stop saying that. Robert (laughs) says he called, you know, the restaurant and the patrolman. But that's all saving face. Yeah. Where in his head did he think it was possible that in her state she was going to get back to that restaurant and what's she gonna fucking do there no i know exactly the first thought would be like oh god i if she tried to get to the shore she probably wouldn't have made it she's done yeah we gotta call the coast guard first rather than call the restaurant the restaurant what and they're all drunken messes let's be honest right i do believe that part of it is blacked out i yeah And then there's one more case update in Natalie Wood, the complete biography by 
that true crime author Suzanne Finstead. The updated version of the biography contains some new information. To put it in context, this is considered the official biography of Natalie Wood. Hmm. It's unbiased. Not like that documentary, which is a fucking piece of no, shit. No, that was totally biased. <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah, so yeah. this is just a biography. So, Daddy, when you didn't kill Mom and you were just yeah. being a good guy on the boat, what were you thinking <laughs> at that moment? Yeah, when the main interview <laughs> of a documentary is talking to a person of interest in a murder and calls him Daddy. Yeah, Errol Morris is never <laughs> calling uh, Robert McNamara Daddy in that uh, that war documentary. My yeah. theory with that is that whole documentary and the accompanying book she made for it, Natasha Gregson Wagner. Yeah. And it, just a reminder, Daddy Wagner's not her biological daddy. It's Daddy Gregson that's yeah, her biological in the, but daddy. But she seems to hold way more allegiance to Daddy Wagner. So who has... <laughs> I don't know why we keep saying this. We sound who's crazy. Got the bank account. Yeah. Yeah, who's got the bank account? Oh. I think that she wants his inheritance. And so she made this documentary to I'm get on the your moolah. Side, see? Yeah. Are you saying those lost highway residuals aren't paying her enough and she needs more money? <laughs> the, the urban legend paycheck <laughs> yeah. she gets. That would probably be the, the mail. Big, that'd be the biggest one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wasn't the James Toback movie, Two Girls, yeah, and, a two guy, girls and a Guy, which two people saw? Yeah. The guy didn't even see it. Yeah. <laughs> Just the two girls saw it. <laughs> two girls, a guy in a pizza place? No, 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 no. It's, a, it's different. It's a movie. So, yeah, that's my <laughs> hot theory on the Natalie Wood documentary. Yeah. yeah. Daddy Wagbucks. Back to the <laughs> biography. <laughs> he's Back 91. He's going to die soon. Yeah. So that money's got to go somewhere. So the complete biography by Suzanne Finstead, unbiased. She believes Robert Wagner killed Natalie Wood, hands down. Wow. And she notes that the subsequent investigation was almost non-existent, which yeah. is true. Yeah. Some things that were revealed in the book, Natalie believed the dolls in her bedroom when she was a kid were real and spoke to her. Well, that's her mom. Getting yeah, her, her mom yeah. really disturbed her did throughout num- her entire did a life. number on her. That's why she did all the analysis. The dolls and, will speak to you. Yeah, and... <laughs> These dolls are real. <laughs> other people. She creeped other people out. Because that Mark Crowley guy, the playwright who wrote Boys in the Band, yeah. he said that at the funeral, the mom came up to him and said, if you would have been on... That's my Russian accent that didn't work. That's good. <laughs> if you would have been on the boat... It's better than my walking. <laughs> Essentially, if you had gone with them on that trip that Thanksgiving weekend, like, remember, he was invited to, yeah. then Natalie would still be alive. Is all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> you killed my daughter by lack of By yep, being presence. 300 miles away. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's a what nice... What a fucking asshole. Nice yeah. lady. And Finstead, the author, was given access to the murder book from the L.A. Sheriff's Department, which is the official record of the death investigation. That sounds such an awful book. Let me see the murder book. <laughs> and I'd like to take out the murder book. <laughs> yeah. Finstead comes up with three new witnesses. One is a confidential source uh, who she also put in touch with one of the investigators into the reopened case. And that source had info that Christopher Walken had heard the fight between Natalie and Robert that night and that he had told a friend not long afterwards that Robert pushed her. Wow. And this is a credible source, according to this author. I believe that now. I think I believe that Robert did some shit yes. he shouldn't have done. 
And then the other two witnesses were there for the autopsy. They were present. One of them is a photographer, and he took photos of her body for the coroner's office. He observed significant wounds to her head, which indicates that there was a violent fight. Wow. And then there's one more witness. Let's hear it. He was an intern at the L.A. County Coroner's Office at the time. He saw the suspicious bruising on wood. And when he told that coroner, Dr. Noguchi, about it, Noguchi told him, quote, some things are better left unsaid. What the hell, dude? And then he writes a book. Yeah. Yeah, good. There was definitely a cover-up at the coroner's office. Yeah. And then one last thing from author Suzanne Finstead. She calls the whole thing a Chekhovian tragedy, referring to Anton Chekhov, the Russian Russian. writer. Uncle Vanya. So this whole thing is a Chekhovian tragedy with no resolution short of a confession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's unclear? Any final (laughs) questions? What's unclear? Uh, If he killed her before or after he threw her in the water. Let's not forget about the bladder. Her bladder was full, indicating that she was dead when she hit the water. Mm -hmm. So that wouldn't be drowning that killed her. Mm. The bladder is kind of like the blood that was found all over the OJ crime scene. It's pretty damning evidence. Yeah, it's the smoking gun. The smoking bladder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that by their own official accounts, things got mad cray. As the children say. Yes, I'm trying to relate to the children. And it turned into this horrible nightmare. I will say this. uh, This is my hot theory here. He went down there to give her a piece of his mind. Yeah. And they kind of started like fighting back and forth because she probably went after him. She's hammered. Mm -hmm. She's on drugs and stuff. And then she slipped and hit her head and then fell into the water. His story is that she fell into the water and Mm -hmm. she fell in on her own. I I think it's a ridiculous thing to crawl down the ladder just to go to the side of the boat that's closest to the dinghy to have an argument. I don't think they were ever right next to the dinghy. I think she got thrown overboard after he beat the shit out of her. I have trouble with this whole dinghy thing as well because the night before, she and the captain went to the shore to stay at a hotel. Mm -hmm. She would have alerted the captain that she wanted to go to shore again. Yeah. And they would have gone to shore. Take me. So for her to take the boat herself is ridiculous. Well, he, but RJ could have brought something up like saying, hey, you fucked that captain last night. You did this and that. Mm. It would made her less likely to go to him again for help. So did Robert take her down in the dinghy and then push her into the water from there? What accounts for the marks on the dinghy? Or were they there already, and it looks like they were involved that night? Yeah, they could have been there already. I mean, there's no... She would have had, like, paint or something, or, like, some sort of clippings from the dinghy under her nails, if that was the case. But they also didn't... That wasn't part of the coroner's report, the fingernails. Yeah, that could have been there from before. Yeah. Let's put the death aside. How insane is it they took that weekend together christopher walken and natalie wood and robert wagner just an insane grouping of people 
that should not be grouped together because of all the hostility and all the tension and all the I think she fed off that a little bit. Like I don't think Robert did. I think um I think Natalie fed off kind of that weirdness and stuff and like just throwing people together. She you saw her group of friends like you know she had a bunch of people just hanging around her all the time. Yeah. My thing with walking too is like even selfishly if you knew she was drowning or knew she was in trouble, why would you not go save her? You're in the middle of filming a movie with this person. Like, this is your meal ticket at this point. Why not make sure that she's okay? Wait, so you're saying he heard the drowning even? No, I'm saying that's why I think he didn't, because selfishly, you're going to be like, that's my fucking co-star. I got to save that person. Not only is she my friend, she fucking invited me onto this trip from hell, but this (laughs) is someone that is going to make sure I see a paycheck. I think Boo's weird people weird hollywood people that don't really know each other very well and boats and choppy water do not mix well no yeah not at all and if you're in a love triangle don't take it out to sea yeah Yeah. keep it on the mainland yeah (laughs) it's our best advice (laughs) so on the mainland folks in summary (laughs) what we know for sure is that These four people went out on the yacht on Catalina Island, and they were dysfunctional at best as a group, Mm -hmm. and they drank a hell of a lot, and Natalie ended up dead, and nobody has been that helpful ever since that was there in understanding what happened exactly. All very convenient. So that's pretty much the case. And uh, Robert Wagner, you might be getting arrested soon. Yeah. Keep your door wide open. Because <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> and I'm arresting you. Citizen's arrest, buddy. You might be spending your 92nd birthday in the slammer. <laughs> you know what would be funny is if Natasha Gregson Wagner didn't end up getting a cent yeah, in the inheritance. The ultimate fuck great. you. Yeah. yeah. Then she comes out with a sequel called Daddy Did It. Yeah. <laughs> I changed my mind. My dead daddy did it. Yeah. Ten reasons why I changed my mind. <laughs> or ten, ten million reasons why I changed yeah. my mind. <laughs> and her and the captain and Lana go on tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would that tour consist of? I'd love it. Uh, I'd, I'm buy buying t- tickets. I'd buy tickets. Yeah. They're opening for Great White. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So, all right. That's the story, and we're sticking to it. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. I hope I shed some (laughs) light onto this story. If you're still out there, don't forget to follow us. Where are we, guys? On Twitter. At Dipod2021. Yup. On YouTube. Death and Entertainment. Instagram. Death and Entertainment. That's it. All right. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Alejandro has his hand up as if he's waiting for something else that's not going to come. So we're going to say good night, good luck, and uh, don't go dying on us. I was trying to think of something profound to say to end the 40th anniversary special about Natalie Wood's mysterious death. Go ahead. We'll give you the floor. Got nothing. Don't go swimming in the dark. Dark water. (laughs) You have just heard A true Hollywood murder mystery I have never seen anything like this before The movies, Broadway, music, television, all of it A place that manufactures nightmares Okay everybody, that's a wrap Good night, please drive home carefully and come back again soon